Today's the last week of this series called BLESS, and as you know, for the past four weeks, we've been exploring this acronym, B-L-E-S-S, just a way of us being able to remember beyond the teaching series, really. Begin with prayer, listen to people, listen to God, tune your heart to what's going on, eat with people, share meals with them, serve the way Jesus did, and that was you know, so evident yesterday with over 300 of, of, of us being out in the community and doing that in such a practical way. And today we finish the series with share. You know, this whole series is based on a commandment, a mandate that Jesus gave his disciples. We find it in John 20, 21, and it says this, as Jesus again said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And really this series is, is not a, a program that you plug into. It's really just a reminder that if we look at what Jesus did and how he lived and why he came and, and the way he interacted with people, the way he, he brought kingdom into wherever he went, uh, this series is really just a reflection of that. How do we practically show the love of Jesus? How do we bring, like we pray in the Lord's Prayer, how do we say your kingdom come, your will be done? Well, how do we bring that where we go and, and, and in, the, in the places we live and work and, and spend time? So today is all about sharing and and really, share, the, the, the word share and the habit share, if you want to call it that, as, as we look at this series, it's, it's not so much something on its own, something to be looked at in isolation. Because really, if you look at the last four weeks, whether it's praying, whether it's listening to people's stories, spending time with them, whether it's eating, sharing over a meal, whether it's serving like we did yesterday, really all of that is sharing. And today is a summary of, of the whole series, not just something on its own. And really, if you've started doing any of the last four weeks' worth of things, whether you've started praying more intentionally about your family, your people uh, at work, your work colleagues, whether you've invited friends or family or neighbours over for a meal, or, or whether you've served like you did yesterday, or just, you know, some people couldn't make it yesterday, and maybe you're scheduled to mow your neighbour's lawn. What, whatever it is, you're already sharing. So don't be put off by the word share as, as, as though it's something that you're not already doing. We just need to work out how do we do it in a way that brings people closer to Jesus? How do we do it in a way that represents him? How do we do it in a way where barriers and walls and, and, and preconceived ideas can just be melted away and people can see the true Jesus? Why don't we pray? Lord, we thank you for this series. We thank you, God, that you're touching hearts. We thank you that you are moving in our lives and you are reminding us that the reason we are not in heaven yet is we have a job to do here on earth. We have a job to be your ambassadors, to, to do what you did, to live as you lived and to be sent and to, to make a difference in our world. And Father, I, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for your body, the body of Christ, Lord, the, the, your plan A for the planet. And I pray that as we open your word this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would plant seeds that would be uh, planted in fertile soil. I pray that we would open our hearts and, and lean in. And Lord, I pray that you would use me to speak truth this morning. Anything that's not of you, let it fall by the wayside. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you anoint the words and the teaching. And more than that, Lord, I pray that our lives are changed as a result of this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we talk about the why and the how of sharing, we need to sort of get it out there that there are a few obstacles that we probably have 
in our mind when it comes to why sharing can be a challenge. How many people here are parents? How many parents in the room? Yes? Be okay to put your hand right. If you're a parent, yes, okay, very good. You've all got, well, those of you who have children, uh, what's, one of the, what's the first thing you have to keep, teach your kids when, when they're old enough to even walk and talk? The very first thing, yell it out. Yell it out. What's the first thing you have to teach your kids? Yeah, yes. Someone said algebra. No, it's not algebra. <laughs> you don't have to teach your children algebra. Obviously a maths teacher in the room. No, it's... Uh, what do you call two friends who loves maths? Algebros. Like that. You can play that on repeat online. As I don't know why I had to do that either. That's pretty... My pa- Lucky my children aren't here. That'd be very embarrassed. Share. Yes, share. That's what we're, we're getting to. Oh, you've got, I've still got a child here. Yes. And she's very red. She's doing this to me. What does that mean, darling? What's that? Share your things. Share. From the time a child understands anything, you have to teach them to share because it's not human nature to want to give something you have to somebody else. That's just the facts. You don't have to teach a, a, a child not to share. You don't have to say to a child, stop giving your things away. Stop being so humble when it comes to the swing. You, you can have a go as well. You don't have to do that. From the minute a kid understands anything, they, they, they want to, to live selfishly. It's just human nature. We are constantly telling our children as they grow up, share. Share your things. Let, let someone else have a go. We used to have this motto in our house. Do you remember it, darling? Yeah, what was it? Yell, yell out. Share, care, put others first. That's, we used to just repeat this on, I know, I know we're such good parents. We're just, <laughs> like, seriously, model. You know that's not true. Whenever we got into a situation where we could just tell the kids were, were, were living selfishly, we used to just say, share, care, put others first. And to this day... Gabby's nearly 19 years old. She still remembers that that was just something that, that we, we had as like this mandate in the household. It's a little bit like bless. The reason we called it bless is that we want you in six months, 12 months, three years from now to remember that bless means begin with prayer, listen to people, eat, serve and share. That's just how we live as followers of Jesus. It doesn't come naturally because we are all born into sin. And we often allow selfishness to rule instead of sharing and being generous. And regardless of our age, regardless of how old we are, how long we've been on the planet, we can still be toddlers in our attitudes. Because the truth is, we don't want to share. Beneath our smiles and our responses that are on the surface pleasant, the truth is, we have to get over this thing that says, what is mine is mine, and what is yours should be mine. truth. Sharing is seen as a nice concept and we we love sharing when it comes to people sharing their things with us. You know, there's a saying that says the best type of boat is the boat that someone else owns. And when they say, hey, do you want to, excuse me, if you want to come out, thank you for sharing the glass with me, Marjorie. Do you want to come out of my boat? 
That's awesome. But it's harder when it's your thing that you have to share. That's just the truth. Philippians, three, or Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says this, Do not do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. So it makes me think that the ability to share or the willingness to share has been a challenge even back two and a half thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. We're going to read that in the message translation because I just think it's, it's just brilliant. If you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favour. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. I could just drop the mic now and say, go do that. I won't because there's 26 minutes left. The Bible is really clear. We need to learn to live our life with others, for others. And whether you follow Jesus or not, you need to understand that sharing is actually a a recognised virtue in most civilised cultures because we understand instinctively that selfishness and a lack of sharing are actually wrong. And when you see somebody who lives that way, when you see someone who just shares their things, whether it be their boat or their time or their money or their talent, whatever it is, when you look at people that live generously and live with this mindset of I am here and whatever is mine is yours, it's actually very attractive. You look at people like that and go, wow, I want to be like that. And the reason you do that is because they are reflecting the character of God. We have to get over our sinful nature and our carnality and go, how do I reflect how Jesus would do it? And Jesus shared himself more than any human on the planet. More than, more than any person who's ever walked the earth. Jesus, fully man, fully God, shared his life, shared his death with us. Another thing to understand is that to share, the ability to share and the desire or even the choice to share is uniquely human. I don't know how many of you have watched any nature documentaries in the last month. There's not a lot of sharing that goes on in nature with animals. It doesn't matter if they are your own children, your own offspring. When it comes to food, when it comes to survival, it is every dog, wolf, bison for itself. There's another obstacle to sharing, especially when it comes to our faith, and that's, maybe we're not sure how to do it. Maybe we're fearful of getting it wrong or, or, or losing relationship with people that we love and trust. Maybe it's just that you don't feel qualified, that you don't, it's not part of your character to share. Maybe when you have moments where you sort of, the Holy Spirit says, invite someone for lunch, or sit down and have a coffee with them, or you're a carpenter, go and help. You... you you block it, you, you cut it off at the past by saying it's, it's not my gifting, it's not my talent, that's not my thing. But we need to understand that God doesn't give a rip about your talent or your gifting. What he wants is your willingness and your obedience. What he wants is for you to be led by love 
and to see people the way he sees them. Abraham was too old to be a father of nations. Moses couldn't talk properly. Gideon was afraid and was considered a, like a wimp. I don't know what the Hebrew word for that is, but I'm sure that if you look it up, you can find it. But God called him a mighty warrior. Rahab was a prostitute. Noah had a drinking problem. When it came to sharing what God had put on their heart to save others and to point people to Jesus, they didn't use what they didn't have as an excuse. They just said, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to, if the Holy Spirit prompts me, go out and do what the Holy Spirit asked me to do. When it comes to faith, it's a challenge because we're not quite sure sometimes whether the environments we invite people into are going to make it worse. You know, we heard from Gary Jones last week and he had this amazing story of a, a friend he brought to church and, you know, the preacher in the middle of the service stopped it and it got all weird and, and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's fr- I, I had a, a bit of a story like that when I invited Helene. Well, I was courting Helene uh, in 1999 and went down to Melbourne and mum and dad invited us to a, a, a play or a, a night out. And in, back in the late 90s, there was this play that was going around it was only going around in Christian circles because I don't think it would have gone around outside of Christian circles. And it was called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. <laughs> Do you remember that one? Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. It literally is a turn or burn play. I don't know if you could invite your friend to that in 2023. But even as it started, I'm just sitting there going, oh no. Helene didn't know Jesus at this stage. And even though I knew that the Holy Spirit was there, I knew I knew that the, the context of the play was, was, was pure and was right. I'd just come from travelling the world with Club Med where I was, you know, I think we'd spent a week in Orlando where we watched Cirque du Soleil and, and now we're at a Baptist church watching Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, oh no. Not only is she not going to give her life to Jesus, but she's going to leave me. Anyway, thank, thanks to the prayers of my beautiful parents and thanks to the Holy Spirit, Helen responded at the end of that play. And so even that, even, and when God's in it, God's in it. But what I'm saying is there are moments where you're just like, oh. And getting over the fear of that sometimes is too great. So we just don't, we don't invite. Maybe you feel that, you know, it's not even your place to share that it's wrong to share your faith. It's wrong to share of yourself. There are, there's a study that's just come out in the States uh, and, uh, by Barna, and 47% of millennials who, who absolutely want their friend to know Jesus and know that Jesus is the best thing for their friend's life, 47% of those millennials say that it's, they feel it's wrong to share their faith with other people. So whether it's our own selfish nature, whether it's, our indecision on the method, whether it's we don't feel qualified, we don't feel that we have the right gifting or, or, or character, or, or whether we just struggle because we don't think we should. We don't. We don't share in the way that God wants us to share. So how do we get over this? How do we remove the obstacles? How do we overcome our fears? I listened to Gare Jones last Sunday, and if you didn't get the chance to be in the 
the meeting and watch him, can I just implore you to watch the video? He started by saying this, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to repeat exactly, but I, I'm, I'm going to put something on the screen and I want you to read it because ultimately, no matter how good the teaching is, not yet, guys, just, just remove it. That's it. Um, ultimately, no matter how good the teaching is, no matter how good your relationship with the Lord is, no matter how much you love people, no matter how obedient you are, no matter how you just want to do the right thing, If you don't see people the way Jesus sees them, you will not share. If you don't look at your neighbours and your family and your work colleagues as people that are going to spend the rest of their life hurting and broken and away from a saviour who loves them, if you don't let that rip your heart apart, you will not share. I spent seven hours yesterday with some of the most broken people in Brisbane. And I was a wreck because their brokenness was just so, so obvious. You know, that, that young guy that took a mouthful of, of, of this incredible slow-roasted beef cheek, something you would find in a quality restaurant, and just burst into tears. But the truth is that every one of the people that are in your world that don't yet know Jesus are as poor and as miserable and as broken as those people. They just mask it with, with things. The thing is, when you get to that stage and you're living on the streets, you you don't have any masks left. And sometimes the more wealthy you are and the more Western you are in your thinking and civilization, the bigger and the brighter and the shinier the masks are, but the pain and the brokenness and the isolation is still very real. So let's look at what Gare said last week. He says this, Sharing with others about Jesus is fundamentally going to be fueled in your life when it's not an act of obedience, when it's not a duty, when it's not something good to do, but when God breaks your heart for those who don't know him, like really breaks it. They seem to have it all together. Leisure, pleasure and treasure fills their whole heart. But beneath the veneer of beach houses and Botox, there is an emptiness within which is screaming out for help. Our nation needs Jesus, guys. And that can be overwhelming because you're like, oh, I can't save the nation. But you all work with people. You all are neighbours to people. We, we all have friends and family that don't know Jesus. And we are created uniquely to be positioned exactly where we are so that we can bring the kingdom of heaven to wherever we are. If you are neighbours to people... You are the best person, the best situated, the best... I mean, God's got you there for a reason. But if you don't share, if you don't share your life, your story, if you don't share your community and your world and your passions, and if you just keep it to yourself, who's going to tell them? How are they ever going to know? So we're going to look at four practical ways that we can share. Before we do that, I want to tell a quick story. I met a guy yesterday, and uh, at first I thought he was one of the visitors of ECM. Rough, stocky-looking guy. And, and then I saw him talking to people and, and praying with people. And, and this guy was on fire. Like, he was... Oh. I'm like, man, I've got to find out this guy's story. And I went up to him, 
And I said, hey, what's your name? He said, my name's Luke. I said, that's a great name. I said, what's your story? What, like, why are you so passionate about the, you know, the homeless? And he just started crying. He said, man, if you knew my story. I said, can you tell me your story? This guy was living rough, drug dealer, was in prison, was doing time, doing life. You know what, if you're in prison for life, you know what that means. He'd done some bad stuff. He was in the process of organising a couple of other bad things that were going to get him another couple of life sentences. And over a period of an afternoon, God started to intervene in this guy's life. He was telling me the story of the, of the fact that he should have been committing this atrocity and for various reasons he got delayed and stalled and, and then went into his room that night and, and found God. God visited him in the room. Had a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit. I know you, I love you, I see your pain, I see your hurt, I see your brokenness. And from that day, his whole life has changed. But he's now dedicated himself to taking care of ex-convicts and druggies and people on the street and the people that were him. And in, with tears coming down his face, he said, man, when you've come from what I've come from, when you know the pain that these people are going through, you can't help but share. You can't help but do what I'm doing. I got so inspired. Now, I can't identify with someone who spent life in prison for atrocities. But I can identify with people that are at the top in business and have lost their marriage and are probably addicted to some substance and are miserable, even though they've spent the whole... I can identify with fathers. I can... We can all identify with people because... We are uniquely created. You're all masterpieces that God has created to do exactly what you are meant to do in the space that you are meant to do it. Break my heart for what breaks yours is the line of that song. And if we don't get the why, the how doesn't matter. So even the four weeks, you're not going to pray. You're not going to begin with prayer. You're not going to serve people. You might do it once, but you won't do it as a as a lifestyle, you, you, you won't continually open your house and, 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 and buy extra groceries and share with... You, you won't do it ongoing as a lifestyle, as something you do until you see Jesus again, unless you get the how, the why. And the why is people need Jesus. People are broken and lost and hurting. And you are the Jesus in their life. That's the reality. So let's look at four ways we can share can I just start by saying this? Sharing is very personal. And my encouragement as we listen to these four points for the next 10, 15 minutes is understand that you can only share you. Don't try and share what, what isn't you. Don't try and share a talent or a gift that you don't have. Don't try and share a story that's not yours. Don't try and share uh, because you've read the book on sharing and you've figured that you're going to do that. You are uniquely you. God says that you are a masterpiece and you are created to do his good works. So that actually now qualifies every single person in the room and every person online because you're not looking at somebody else going, I could never do what they could do. I could never go into the street and do what Luke's doing, the other Luke, and minister to break. You don't have to. That's not your story. That's not, that's not your mark. God's got his 
hand on that guy because he's the masterpiece that can only affect the people he's around over there. But we've all got stories. We've all got... Just, just understand that. So let's start by saying sharing is uniquely personal, but it's never meant to be an individual thing. Point number one, share your story. We just heard the story of Luke. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Sometimes we read that as you will be my messengers in Jerusalem. That you will go and talk to people. You go and take the message and you will try and convert people and you will, you will be the, the proclamators of the... It says you are my witnesses. Now I don't know about you, but I read that as you are there to re- recall a testimony or, a, or an eyewitness of what has happened and, and point to the truth of the situation. So when it says you will receive power from the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses, what Jesus was saying to them is I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit and then you're going to go and you're going to go and tell your story. You're going to go tell your story of what the last three years has been like for you. But you're going to tell it in a way that points people to me. You're going to go and be my witnesses because there's a lot of information around, but you guys have witnessed it. So go and tell the truth. Go and tell what it's like to spend three years with Jesus and watch what happens. Don't ever discount your story. Don't ever think that your story is not valuable or valid or effective. People are interested in your story. They're probably not that interested in your preaching, but they're interested in your story. If you preach, and this was all the rage back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, different time, different cultural context, but if you preach, you're you're telling people what to do. You're saying you should do this, you shouldn't do that, why are you doing that? Go and do this. And that's part of the problem with the reputation of the church in 2023 in Australia is that we're seen as preachy, that all we do is tell people what to do. And I don't know if that's working great, to be honest. But if you tell your story, if you say, I used to be like this, and now I'm like this, and the only thing that happened in the middle was Jesus, no one can argue with that. Just tell your story. Tell it in a way that honours and points to Jesus. No one can say your story isn't true. Luke's been a Christian for seven years. He's still got the tears streaming down his face. It's unbelievable. The people that we are sharing our story with identify with us because ultimately we're all very similar to each other. We all want purpose in our life. We all struggle for meaning. We want to be loved. We want to know how to love So when you tell your story, there are points of connection where people go, if it can happen for them, maybe it can happen for me. Or I identify with that. Can I encourage you to look for opportunities to tell your story? Even if it's just bits and pieces, because people are interested. And if we've done the other four things, if we've spent time with people, if we've invited them for a meal, if we've served them, it actually gives us permission to share our story. Don't go up to some random on the street and say, hey, can I tell you about my story? They'll probably look at you strangely and walk away. 
This has been done sequentially. Begin with prayer. Listen to people. You know what? The best way of you being able to tell your story is to listen to someone else's first. Point number two, share of yourself. Share your time, your talent, your treasure. The New Testament equates sharing with real faith. In this explanation, James writes, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look upon orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We also read in 1 John, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can you love God? How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. If we're to share with people the way God intends us to to share, we have to understand that he has wired us uniquely. He has given us things, he has blessed us, but it's not just for us. We all know that saying, blessed to be a blessing. In order to bless someone else, you have to share. You might have to share a meal, you might have to share time, you might have to see someone in need and say, you know what, I'm going to share my financial resource with them so that they can be in a better position. If you are a cook, cook for people. You know, yesterday could not have been possible if it wasn't for a couple who have been blessed with a cooking business. They're passionate people who cook. They cook for others. So when we had a help day, they said, you know what? Can we cook? And when when they said, can we cook? I'm like, yeah. But they spent three days prepping the menu, buying the ingredients, 15 hours on Saturday, making sure that the slow cook, or Friday, the slow cook, Beef cheeks were actually slow cooked beef cheeks. It's slow, slow cooking takes time. That's why it's called slow cooking. <laughs> but they gave of something that was uniquely theirs. And as a result, people are crying at the table saying, Jesus loves me. They didn't say that, but it's what they're feeling. Because someone, a couple, I won't tell you who they are because I'm sure they wouldn't want everyone to know, decided that they were going to share their talent. They were going to share of themselves. If you're feeling a little bit out of sync with your relationship with God, if you're feeling a little bit dry, or if you're feeling a little bit sort of disconnected, can I dare to say that perhaps it's because you've stopped sharing in the way that you were created to share? The Bible's really clear. In Proverbs eleven twenty four to 26, in the Message Translation, it says, The world of the generous... Now, in order to be generous, you have to give something that you have to somebody else. It's not always financial. But you can't keep what's yours, yours. Sharing means I'll take what I have and I'll make sure others have it too. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Curses on those who drive a hard bargain. Blessing on all who play fair and square. You know, there's a great story. These are kingdom principles. This isn't just for believers. There's a great story of the rivalry between Sony with their Betamax and um, JVC with their, with their um, VHS uh, cassettes. Sony was first to market, and the Japanese do things so well. Brilliant concept. The technology was amazing. But they refused to let anybody else have their technology. So they introduced Betamax tapes, in 1975, 76. And then JVC saw it and went, oh, we could do that. 
came out with a copy, basically, a cheaper, inferior version called VHS. But instead of keeping the technology themselves, they gave it to everybody. And they said, yeah, yeah, you can produce it, you can have it, you can have it, you can have it. So within a year of JVC launching VHS, two years after Betamax had already been in the market, they'd lost, Betamax had lost 40% of market share. Within two years, they'd lost 80%. And within about 15 years of Betamax being launched, it no longer existed as a consumer product. Because not only did VHS make their product more available, not only were they generous with their technology. Now, there might have been a financial you know, motivation, but they said, we've found something, we've discovered something, you can have it. It's called open share. It's very hip with the Elon Musk of the world. He's doing all right. <laughs> By the mid-90s, Betamax pretty much stopped ex existing. It was stopped being made for consumers. Now, Betamax was a better product, so a lot of commercial and um, you know, movie companies and stuff still use it. But even in cutthroat business, God's principles and promises around sharing and generosity ring true. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Share your life and community. Point three, we've got to run, we're running a bit behind. Share your life and community. We've spoken a few weeks ago about the difference between giving food to somebody and sharing a meal with somebody. One keeps people at distance. The other invites them into your world, into your life, into your community. Jesus didn't just give food to people. He dined with them. He didn't expect them to come and hang out in the temple with him. He went to where they were and got involved with them and shared his world with them. He didn't just teach his disciples. He, shared, he said, follow me. And for three years, he shared his whole life 24-7 with his disciples. One of the most effective ways we can share is to let people into our world, to let people into our life, our community, our friends. Never has this been more important than in 2023. A recent study came out end of last year. Loneliness is experienced now, in 2023, currently, by nearly 27% of Australians. And most Australians will experience deep loneliness in their lifetime. 37% of young people, I guess that's under 30, are currently lonely. Lonely people have a 26% increased risk of death. The impacts of loneliness are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day or having six alcoholic drinks a day. And 54% of people are lonelier now than before COVID. If for no other reason, then half of Australia is lonely. We need to invite people into our world. We need to share the things that we experience. There was a great example of what real Christian community and, and what sharing looked like. And it's in Acts, we read it, Luke wrote this, as the believers were in one heart and mind. That's really important. I think one of the most exciting things that come out of this series is to see that everybody's starting to go, oh, I get this, I get this. The pastors, the teaching team, people I speak with, they're like, this series has been great because I actually get it. I realise that I can actually make a difference. It's not just something that's on the screen that I'm like, how do I do that? The believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions as their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. 
and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. Now, I'm not saying that we're all called to pool our money and, and live in a commune. And, but what, I'm, what I'm saying is it gives a, a glimpse into the type of community that we could be if we, if we started understanding that our lives are not our own and we're meant to share. That does not exist out in the world. In fact, if you look at even the homeless community, and they were all there in force yesterday, they were going around to each other saying, have you got a light, mate? Have you, can I borrow your shoes? They, they, they understand community because that's all they've got. We need to bring people into that and understand that it is part of how we can share. Invite people to things that you think are going to benefit them. Invite them to lunch. Have friends over, but invite a family from church as well so that they can realise that not all church people are weird. Some are, but not all. We're weird. It's okay. That's why, you know, never get invited to lunch. It's okay. No, just joking. Truth is, God didn't intend for us to live in isolation. He specifically designed us to crave and to thrive in relationship with others. And if we've shared our story, if we've, if we've done the four things that we've been listening to the last four weeks, if we've shared our story and people are like, oh, I can somehow connect with that. If we've shared our gifts and our talents and our passions, if we've shared our life and our community, and then what, what happens then is it gives us an opportunity to share the gospel. And as Gurr said last week, there probably is no more effective way than people finding out who is Jesus and why is he important to me and what did he do and, and why did he do it and is that really true and what, what is my response to that? Those five or six questions, which is the gospel of Jesus, most of us don't have the eloquence to sit down with someone and explain that in a half an hour discussion. But over a 10-week period where people can just ask questions and find out the truth in a non-judgmental way where people aren't going to say, don't say that or don't say that, where they can just let the truth of the Holy Spirit sort of just start to... Then people will find Jesus. And this whole series is how do we get people who don't know Jesus, who are spending an eternity at the moment without him, whose life is lonely and miserable and broken. How do we get them to experience what we've all experienced? That's what this series is about. Sharing is not just standing on a street corner saying repent or die. It's not necessarily taking to someone to a heaven's gate, hell's flame. But you are created as a masterpiece. Your sound, your ability to to point people to your creator is very unique to you. The Bible is clear. It says we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Do not ever say I don't have a purpose. I cannot share. Don't share someone else's story. Don't look at another masterpiece and say I wish I was them. Just understand that you are who you are because only you can do what you can do. But it's not just for you. 
I thought I'd end today with a bit of a practical illustration. Because they say that most people retain about 10% of a half an hour sermon, but if you can leave them with one good point, one good illustration, then they'll walk away with it. So can I have my violin, please? This is a violin, handmade, was made in 1986, 430 hours of work. The guy who made it is no longer with us. His name's Philip Shaw. No, Philip, no, you're Philip Shaw. Philip didn't make this, sorry. (laughs) Philip Burgess, excuse me. I've had this since 1988. My parents bought it for me for my 18th birthday. And you can look at it and say, well, it's a funny shape. It was created that way. You can look at it and say, oh, there's, you know, there's gaps. I have gaps in my life. There's, you know, not everything's perfect. There's gaps in this, there's holes. But that's how it's designed. That's how it's created. You can look at it and say, you know, these strings are a bit tight. I'm under a bit of tension at the moment. I can't, I could never possibly do that because my life's too full. If those strings aren't pulled tight, they don't resonate. This is designed and created to make a beautiful sound. And everything about it is how it's meant to be. And I want you to understand that you are God's violin. You can look at your gaps and go, I've got gaps. And God's saying, yeah, but that's where the sound comes out. That's where I'm reflected. You can look at your life and say, I've got too much going on. Or or, I'm not connected enough to the church. You notice the head is not connected to the body. The only thing that connects us is this tension that we live in of, you know, I, I, I need to do more for God, but, but you know, I'm too busy. I... The other thing to understand is that a violin can't play itself. The ability for you to share without partnering with the Holy Spirit will be minimal. Because we are born into sin and we are selfish and we don't want to share. But when we understand why we need to share, and then when we say, God, I can't do this, it's like picking up a bow. I can hold this for as long as I want, and I can do all the things, and I can... Oh, I better turn it on. But until I partner with something, until you understand that your story, your masterpiece, needs the Holy Spirit to be effective, to create a sound that can be shared... And not only that, but they can then say, oh, that's why it was created. This violin looks beautiful, but unless the sound that's coming out of it, it, it's just an ornament. And the person who made it, uh, Philip Burgess, who spent 430 hours in his workshop in the hills of Sydney, he's going to go, why don't you play it? It was created to make sound. You were created to share what God gave you. You are uniquely formed and made. You are masterpieces. But until you take the bow, until you partner with the Holy Spirit, you're just a violin sitting on a shelf.